This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Companies around the U.S. and the world will be closely watching what happens in today's U.S. election. There are significant potential impacts for firms around the globe. Ian Bremmer is president and founder of Eurasia Group, and he joins us with more. Ian, great to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Doing very well. Good to be with you. Thank you. So give us a sense uh, from from your perspective, what you've been looking at in these last few weeks uh, heading into this election. And, and obviously, as I said, there are so many different firms and governments around the world that are that are very intently watching this election today, as they are probably every time that there is a U.S. election. No, more this time around, and it's because this election matters a lot more. It's happening in the middle of the biggest crisis of our lifetimes, because whether you get Biden or Trump will determine how much stimulus you get in the very near term and where it's going to be oriented. And usually U.S. presidents don't have that much impact right off the bat. This time around, they really are. We're joined by Ian Bremmer, who is president and founder of Eurasia Group, and, and I, is there a distinction that you make between the importance of this to companies around the globe and, and their uh, operations that they may have here in the U.S. or the relationships that they may have and the governments uh, in places like the EU and Japan and, and other locations and, and the relationship that they have with the United States government? Absolutely. I, I think the impact on the corporations will be greater than the impact on most of the government's uh, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Biden and Trump have similar orientations towards China, similar orientations towards India. Trump is more opposed to the European Union uh, than Biden, but their trade orientations wouldn't differ all that much. And it's not like Trump you know, actually broke it, even though he said a lot of things that a lot of the European leaders didn't like. But if you think about regulatory policy, tax policy, orientation towards climate, things that really do affect how corporate CEOs think about their global businesses, Biden versus Trump and their cabinets would be pretty dramatically different in their approach. That does really matter to multinational corporates. And look, I talk to the CEOs all the time in the U.S. and around the world. They're paying very much closer attention this time around than they have historically. And obviously one of the biggest elements at play, I think, for a lot of different pieces is COVID and it's specifically lately the rise in cases that we're seeing here in the U.S., but we've also seen in other parts of uh, of Europe as well. And this trend uh, of, you know, of dealing with this and figuring out a way uh, beyond just having uh, the vaccines and therapeutics of being able to handle the coronavirus and still be able to, you know, keep your economies up and running. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that 2020 coronavirus was mostly about the healthcare management, where 2021, because we have better therapeutics, because a vaccine is coming, because mortality rates are actually going down, I think it'll be more about the economic responses to coronavirus and whether or not you get support for the states, for the municipalities. What kind of support do you get to all of the workers that have been furloughed, uh, to all of the, the people that are facing evictions and defaulting on their credit cards? That probably is the area that the president will matter more in 2021, even though for the last nine months, everyone's been talking about masks and lockdowns and quarantine. I think we're moving into a second phase of the coronavirus.
but tr- obviously trade deals will still be a very important point of this. And again, this is an area where I think the two candidates will be different is that obviously President Trump ha- has forged one path uh, in, in trying to be more nationalistic and and trade deals that are more one on one, where Joe Biden, I think, would be more of a fan of uh, of trying to work as much as possible with other countries uh, around the globe. You know, I'm going to disagree a little bit on this one because okay. it's true that Biden's personal proclivities would be towards more multilateralism, as you suggest. But you remember, Obama Biden tried to do the Trans Pacific Partnership; they failed. They couldn't get it done. They couldn't get the support for it in Congress. And Biden's folks, his most senior folks, have told me they wouldn't even try to do TPP again because the country has just moved in a different direction. There's just not a lot of support for that kind of big new free trade deal. And even though Trump, you're right, has talked in a much more nationalist, much more hawkish direction, Trump got the new NAFTA, the USMCA done, got uh, a, a, a more advanced U.S. trade deal done with South Korea. So I think that on trade, the actual reality of U.S. outcomes and policy uh, wouldn't be all that different between Biden and Trump. Are we are we then hitting kind of a transition point when you think about the United States and maybe to a degree we have over the last few years in terms of our overall thought process about relationships with other countries around the world? Uh, yeah, I, I think we are, because I think so many Americans feel like uh, U.S., the United States, acting as the global policeman and acting as the architect of global trade and acting as the cheerleader for global values hasn't helped them. And so they oppose it. And we see that with Trump trying to pull these troops out of Afghanistan and end the war and deal with the Taliban. Hillary Clinton didn't support that. She liked the surge. But Joe Biden did. He was trying to end the war in Afghanistan. I don't think you'll see a lot of differentiation there. I think a lot of Americans don't like this idea that the U.S. should be promoting democracy all over the world. Biden will talk a lot more about human rights. But the idea that the Americans try to facilitate regime change or taking the lead on this, I I think the United States remains the most powerful country in the world. But the idea that the Americans will have an exceptionalist foreign policy that really tries to provide global leadership, I think that's going to be much more structurally constrained irrespective of who's elected uh, today. But it is interesting that that one of the areas that President Trump ha- has tried to be successful in, and, and seemingly I guess he has, is, is looking about the issue of peace in the Middle East. And, and it seems like, you know, whether it is, you know, the elements with Israel and, and, and you know, the other countries in that area, he and his uh, his administration have really focused on that as an important point, especially it seems like we're seeing the the fruits of it in the last year or so. That's right. Secretary of State Kerry under Obama said that you could never get peace with it between Israel and the Gulf states until you had movement on Israel-Palestine. Trump threw that out, worked directly between the Israelis and the Gulf states. You'll remember Trump's first trip outside the U.S. as president was to Saudi Arabia yep. and then to Israel. Those are the places that the Americans have the strongest relations, certainly not with the Palestinians. And that has brokered normalization of relations between now Israel, Bahrain, um, uh, uh, the United Arab Emirates, and Sudan, and I think more countries as well. Let's keep in mind, the Israeli-Palestinian relationship is as broken as it's ever been. And also, Trump did pull out unilaterally of the JCPOA, which is the Iranian nuclear deal, even though all of America's allies wanted the U.S. to stay in. So I wouldn't say that Trump has brokered peace all over the region, 
But these Abraham Accords that were signed in the Rose Garden a few weeks ago is actually meaningful. And, and there's no question that even though Biden's not giving him a lot of credit for it, if Biden does win, he'll be glad that that's happened. Finally, about a minute left, Ian. What's the then the general view of, of Joe Biden by uh, business leaders and governments around the world uh, of him and of him potentially becoming president? Uh, they support him more than you would think, despite the fact that he would be more challenging for the business community long term because they like the idea of $3 trillion of stimulus when the world needs more cash. Um, they're focusing, I would say, more short term. Longer term, I, I think they're more comfortable because Biden has been a centrist for 40 plus years. Nobody believes that a 77-year-old Joe Biden is going to turn into Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren just becomes because he becomes president. So on balance, I would say they're pretty comfortable with it. Ian, thanks very much for your time and your insight. All the best, sir. My pleasure. Take it easy. Thank you. Ian Bremmer, president and founder of Eurasia Group. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.